Welcome to P.I.'s Declassified, an inside look at the world of private investigators. Your host is Francie Kaler, a noted private investigator. Francie and her guests take you behind the scenes and into the genuine, sometimes gritty business of investigation. You'll hear stories from the trenches with plenty of surprises. Here's your host, Francie Kaler. Good morning and a happy Thursday morning to you all. I uh, hope you're fine. You're feeling fine. Hope you're over COVID. Although I just hear, seems like I hear more uh, people with COVID right now than I did during the pandemic. But hopefully none is sick. So you know we keep moving on. This morning I'm welcoming Lindsay Smith. Lindsay, good morning. Good morning. Thank you so much for having me. Oh, it's it's going to be an interesting show. As I said just off the line, that we've never had. Uh, a subject even close to the one we're going to be talking about today. So it's going to be really fun. Um, so, yeah, and I'm I'm not going to tell them what it is yet. Just, we'll just keep everybody in suspense. So, uh, so Lindsay, you live in Texas? I do, yes. Uh, yeah. A little suburb outside of Houston. Okay. And... I know you've uh, you've been a private investigator a short time, only four years. Correct. Yes. And that's um, pretty my exciting. Ultimate... Oh, go ahead. I was just going to say that's pretty exciting. Usually we have, I have people that have been private investigators for a lot of years. And so it's really fun to have somebody that's fresh and new and is uh, looking at, I think, private investigation business with a new set of lenses. So go ahead, sure. say what you're going to say. No, so originally my ultimate goal in life was to be a homicide detective. And I had been working uh, with one of our local police departments uh, to try for that when I ended up fracturing my leg and finding out that I was pregnant with my third child all at the same time. So my plans were completely derailed and I didn't know what I was going to do with my life. I knew that I had a criminal justice, um, a bachelor's in criminal justice. And um, I thought, you know, what do I do from here? And one evening, um, I actually got in an argument uh, on Facebook over some gun laws. And a guy reached out to me and he said, well, what do you know about laws in Texas? And I said, well, I have a bachelor's in criminal justice. And um, he said, well, I own a PI agency. If you ever want a chance at that, uh, let me know. Really? So I sat on that thought for a few months and reached out to him, and kind of the rest is history. So, <laughs> You want to say who that was? Yeah, sure. His name is Tom Norris. He owns a company called Priority Protection and Investigation. And when I met with him, we knew from the beginning that I was going to open up my own agency. And he was very upfront about he works more of the security side but he would be there to teach me what he could about investigations uh, while I was working on my master's in criminal justice as well. Um, and then ultimately, once I obtained that, it's when I opened Prime Investigations and Legal Services. And Tom Norris and other um, gentlemen in the industry have really helped me become who I am today, um, and I'm forever grateful for them. That is, that's really fascinating. So recruiting from Facebook, I love it. <laughs> I love it. Right, so, right. <laughs> what year was that? What year was that? Oh, that had to have been 20, I started working for Tom around 2017, I believe. Wow. Okay. 2017, 2018. Yep. And you, 
And you opened your own agency when? Uh, in May of 2021, uh, right after I obtained my master's degree. Um, in this industry, I probably don't have to tell you, it's a little different for women. There aren't as many women as there are men. And I wanted something that kind of proved to the world that I was just as capable. And I felt like a master's degree was the way of doing that. So Absolutely. And congratulations on your master's, by the way. Where did you go to school? Thank you. Sam Houston State University. Okay. And they have a good uh, criminal justice master's program? They do. I believe that it is the number one criminal justice school in the nation. Um, hopefully I'm correct on that. Okay. <laughs> I believe well, that, that it is. One way or the other, they'll appreciate it anyway. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> so, uh, and was that a two-year program? So the master's was a, I think it probably could have been a two-year program. I stretched it out into three. Um, uh-huh. I have four kids and two stepkids. So summers are really hard for me uh, when I've got six kids at home to deal with. Um, and that is, sometimes it takes me a little bit longer to do things like school. Um, luckily, my clients all understand that during the summers, you know, your surveillance that you wanted completed in a week might take a week and a half um, just with scheduling and Life is a balancing act. Well, I I applaud you, Lindsay, for, uh, I mean, certainly that's, you have a lot on your plate, and I just (laughs) applaud you for getting your master's in spite of it all. So, uh, yeah, you have a lot. Thank you. I do, um, but I have no doubt that I am where I'm supposed to be in the PI world, you know, owning my company, doing what I do. Um, I have such a passion for this job and for helping people and um, really for solving what I like to call puzzles. You know, essentially every case is a puzzle and getting it solved is is huge for me. What was it about being a homicide detective that appealed to you originally? You know, I, I can remember back to, and I'm kind of aging myself here, but I was young when John Benet Ramsey was killed, and I wanted to know what happened to her. Even then, I would read books, and looking back, I was like, I don't know that I would let my young children read the books that my parents let me read, um, but I wanted to know everything I could about that case, and growing up, my goal was to solve that case, um, and I thought, you know what? I can work other homicides like that. Um, just always had a passion for, for solving. Um, but yeah. Interesting. Um, how old were you when John Bonet was killed? I was eight. Wow. So <laughs> at eight years old, reading the magazines and then reading the books that came out, um, I really just grew up thinking I want to solve cases like that. Like, how do I get the FBI file for that case? That's what I want. Like, um, I had looked into to actually working for the FBI for a little bit, um, but due to the fact that I had children, um, at you know, at twenty twenty one, I could not find the time to be able to leave them to go to Quantico, and so that kind of was thrown out the window as well. And um, I was feeling really defeated in my early and mid twenties. Like, what am I going to do with my life? Um, and private investigations is just exactly the fit that I needed. Well, that's that's, uh, that's exciting. 
and I, and I love yeah. that you're so enthusiastic about uh, working on it. So you, what's the name of your agency? It is Prime Investigations and Legal Services, or Prime ILS for short. Okay. All right. And do you, how much do you feel that Tom helped you learn the ropes of private investigation? So much. Um, he has so many contacts in law enforcement in the Houston area that he would send me for some cases where I worked, not with police officers, but for them, you know, they had done all they could. Hey, why don't you take a look at it and see what you can do? Um, one case that comes to mind is they had had a uh, stolen vehicle case that they had been working. They had come to a dead end. They're like, you know, we've been working on it six months. We can't do anything else. You're a brand new PI. Let's see what you can do. And I said, I'm sure I can find something. I was brand new at the time. (laughs) And I had that car back to them in three days. And they said, how did you do this? And they doubted me at first that it wasn't the car. They wanted me to walk up and get the VIN number, even though I had the license plate. I had the exact match of the vehicle. I said, this is the car. And they were like, well, go up and get the VIN. I was like, this is its not a great part of town. I'm not walking up to this person's car and, and trying to get that VIN. It's not happening. You can send your repo guy out here and let him figure it out. Um, they said, how did you do that? Um, and I simply said, Y'all are males who have been working on this case, and I put a woman's brain on it, and we knew that the woman who had taken the vehicle had a child, and I said, we've got to figure out where that child goes to school and find where they're staying from there. This woman's Facebook page was wide open. I really do love social media. Um, and she had posted a picture of her daughter's report card. And she had blacked out the name of the school, but she had left the address for the school. And I was like, oh. So went to that address, pulled a few strings within the, uh, the school district, and they were able to give me an address for that child. And my car was sitting right out front. I was like, it, it wasn't hard, guys. Y'all just <laughs> were thinking about it like a mom. It's a great story. You know, I can't believe that they are, they were letting you work on, on cases. I mean, they're so protective usually. Uh, So that is really funny. Yep. That was one of my first cases and still one of my favorites to think about. (laughs) Absolutely. Absolutely. What other kinds of cases did you work with the, with the uh, police department? So, um, a lot of the time, and I'm sure you know this as well, um, police departments don't like when we start digging around. So I've got to find those friends within agencies. Um, I had one that I was not working with them. I got them involved later. Um, there had been an accidental death for a friend of mine. Um, which it was not my friend who died. It was her sibling. And his death had been ruled accidental, but the family knew that he had been murdered. Um, He was not wealthy by any means, had a lengthy criminal history. And so when he was found dead, it was just ruled accidental and there was no real investigation. And the the family was very frustrated. So I start digging around, asking questions to people who had seen him in the days before his death. And I came to the same conclusion that he had been murdered. 
And it took, I can't even, weeks of calling different agencies and saying, I need you to look into this. Like, I already know that it's been ruled accidental, but you have to reopen this. And we had one um, state-level officer who was willing to look into the case and reopened it, and now there are pending charges in the case for murder. Um, it took us two years to get to that point from the time that I got the case. But it just takes people who will listen, because sometimes we are discounted as private investigators, um, but putting together this, here's how we got here, and here's our proof. You, you've got to listen to us. It's just about finding the right person in these agencies. So, Absolutely. Um, and finding that right person is difficult, often difficult. It is. You know, I mean, they have, they're so overwhelmed at, in the homicide divisions and uh, right. in, here in, in urban cities, like where you're working. And uh, absolutely. So it's, it's difficult. It is difficult. It's just well, getting someone to listen when they're, when they are so overwhelmed. Exactly. Yeah. And, 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 and who are you, young thing? <laughs> exactly. Young missing exactly. new private investigator. Who are you? <laughs> what do you think you I know that, that we don't like, know? I've been, I've been homicide 20 years. You don't know what you're talking about. Like, no, you have to listen to me. Like, yeah. yeah. Well, I'm sure your enthusiasm, yeah. which certainly comes through, I'm sure that counts for a lot. But still, oh. I can just see. Um, you cut out on me just a little bit. News. Your voice counts. Call toll-free 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. VoiceAmerica.com. PI Magazine is the most respected magazine of the professional investigator. We feature stories and articles on current trends and issues, equipment reviews, tips, and practical advice. Don't miss the new and exciting year in PI Magazine. Subscribe today at PIMagazine.com. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, VoiceAmerica.com. listening to PIs Declassified with Francie Kaler. You can call into the program. We'll take questions and comments at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. You can also email your question to Francie. Send it to francie at piesdeclassified.com. Now, here's Francie Kaler. Well, my apologies. We evidently had a little technical difficulty there for a moment. But as I was just um, saying to Lindsay, she got involved in something called the Trace Lab Labs Global Captured the Flag event. And Lindsay's here to tell us all about it. So, Lindsay, tell us how this evolved. Tell us the process. Just give us all the details about this uh, event that you participated in. So it was, it came to me through a colleague that I had been working with on a complex case out of Harris County. I needed some help on the case. I needed a, a quote-unquote ethical hacker. And like I do, I went to our PI Facebook group and asked if anybody knew one and was directed to Eli Wilkerson, who has become 
him and his wife have both become great friends of mine. But um, so he mentioned have, wanting somebody new on his uh, Trace Labs Global Capture the Flag team. And uh, I said, I have no idea what I'm doing. Um, you know, why do you want me on your team? And he said, you know, being a woman, thinking about things differently, um, I want to see what your skill set is in finding information about people online. So essentially, the event is you actually kind of pay to play. It's almost like a video game, but for real life situations. You log in. And you are given, I believe it was about six cases that you can go through and you're looking for any bit of information that the police or other investigators who have looked at the case may have missed. Um, You're looking for links to Facebook profiles for family members. You're looking for last known addresses for the person who is missing. Um, and all of those things add up to points for your team. So can you tell, can you tell can you hear me, Lindsay? Yes, I can. Okay. Can you tell me um, who is behind the capture the flag, how it gets organized? Just give us a little background on how this works. So it is a company called Trace Labs, and to be honest, I don't know a whole lot about them beyond the event, um, I know that they constantly work missing persons cases on their own. Um, I believe that it's a nonprofit. I don't want to, I don't want to be wrong about that. Um, but they, they take a look at these cold cases and see what they can provide for the families um, as far as any information on these missing people. Um, some of the people have been missing for a short amount of time, you know, 30 to 60 days, and others were years old. And some of them were major cases in their cities, and some are just, you know, tiny little blurbs. Um, it, it, there is a vast um, difference in the types of cases that you're looking at um, within the, within the quote-unquote game. So. Mm-hmm. Okay, so I just, uh, while we're talking, I just looked up uh, Trace Labs, and it says, become part of our community. It's a catalyst for change in the missing persons industry, and they sponsor this um, this cyber sleuthing, uh, crime-solving kind of a, a program. So, it, and it says, join a search party, attend information security conferences for Capture the Flag yeah. contest focused on missing persons. So uh, this is really unique. Um, This is the first time I've heard about it. And so for those of you that are interested in Trace Labs, just go to tracelabs.org and uh, it'll give you all the information. So go ahead, Lindsay. Yes. And I believe anyone can be involved. You do not have to be a a licensed investigator to join. Um, It's all about using open source intelligence, you know, We as PIs have databases that we can use, but within this competition, you are not allowed to use your databases to help you at all. It is strictly knowing how to use the internet as a tool. Mm. Um, Like I said, no no databases, no insider information is allowed um, to be submitted. So that was really 
Um, sure, we all fall back on those databases for our info. And it was refreshing to, you know, have to be creative in how I find information about people. Um, like I mentioned before, I really use social media as a tool every day. Um, I think I mentioned in the article that Eli and I wrote together that things like usernames on Facebook can give you so much information about a person. Um, if you're looking up a Lindsay Smith, and there are quite a few of those in the world, little tips within their username, the end of their Facebook you know, profile, can help you figure out a birthday or possibly an old or a maiden name or an old married name. And all of that can help you find the person that you're looking for. Um, it's using little tools like that, but, but on every single database. It's kind of how we got our points within the competition. So you got, you joined a team that included Eli Wilkerson, who corporate uh, recruited you. And then there was uh, a guy named Mike Gay that was an IT and critical infrastructure protection uh, private investigator and Jake Brew, who was uh, 20 years in IT networking and security. So you had quite a team with the four of you. We did. We had, we all had very different backgrounds coming into it. And I think that that was what Eli wanted when he, when he put the team together. Um, We all worked really well together because we all thought about things so differently. Mm. And, and Lindsay, using your female brain, what were you bringing to the table that was different than the three guys that were involved? I think it was, it was social media, um, understanding how women operate on that, on those systems. Um, I'm sure it's just completely foreign to males. Uh, some of the things that are posted and, <laughs> and done on social media by females, that was my edge um, well, you know, this, using an example, um, you know, men don't post about where they're eating um, or where they're shopping or anything like that the way that a female does. And so one of the cases within the competition, um, I remembered seeing where she worked and where she shopped. And those wouldn't have been things that a man was looking for at all, for the most part. Um, and that was like I said, kind of my, what I brought to the table, um, for sure. And what was, what was their reaction when, when you'd bring up something like this? They, we would submit it and then we would get the points for it. And they were like, okay, Lindsay, keep going. (laughs) See what else you can find about, um, you know, places that she went with her boyfriend, things that she did with her boyfriend. Um, the, there was one woman in particular that we focused on, and I wish I could remember her name. Um, but I got a lot of information about her and her family and the things that they did out of that case. And then they would go in and, uh, you know, look up old addresses, things, you know, using uh, websites off of Google and things that people don't even realize are out there. Um, the Internet is a very, very scary place when you start really digging into it, like we did in this competition. Um, so. How long, how long was the competition? How long did it take? I want to say it was four hours. Um, 
Originally, we had been told that it would be close to six, and it's done at a time so everyone around the world can play. So I think, if I remember correctly, I think we did a seven to 11, and originally it was going to be like an eight to 2 a.m. kind of thing, Um, and then they shortened it. But it definitely was at night, and then once you're, it is four hours all in, you don't have time to think, to eat. You're going as fast as you can to submit as many points as you can. And once it's over, it's like an adrenaline dump. You are just exhausted and your brain can't think about anything other than what you missed uh, in those four hours. So it was really fun. I can't wait to do it again. Hopefully Eli will uh, let me be on his team again. Well, what a great exercise, though, and practice to uh, develop your skills. And I have to read what Eli said about you, Lindsay. (laughs) (laughs) Lindsay's social media analysis led us to discovering phone numbers, email addresses, company associations. I love the moments of discovery punctuated by, oh, this is weird, or, hey, guys, I found another thing over our secure communications. (laughs) So, um, so what happened to the case? Did where did it go after you got through investigating it? That four hours. So, at the end of the hours, um, which I I see now is was four hours. Um, there had been on the there had been one thousand four hundred fifteen links to family members within the six cases that we worked. This is not just by our team, but by all of the teams in the competition. And there were 150 plus. Um, We had found, you know, 487 different tips on on employment for the people um, that had gone missing. About 1,300 different bits of subject information uh, things that had not previously been known by law enforcement. So now all of that data is sent to law enforcement so that they can kind of look at the cases now with a different set of info and see what they can find from that. Um, we don't, if you don't write down the names of the people and all that you are searching for, there's really no way to go back to that case and know what's happened. I would love to be able to, and you know, when I do it the next time, I will make sure to write down the the missing people and see if anything ever came out of those cases. Um, but this is, you're just so going so fast. You don't have time to think about anything other than what can I find out about this person? Um, it's truly a unique experience. Oh, that's really great. Uh, Lindsay, we're going to take a really short break. We already kind of took one, but we're going to take a, another short break, and we'll be right back. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com. PI Magazine is the most respected magazine of the professional investigator. We feature stories and articles on current trends and issues, equipment reviews, tips, and practical advice. Don't miss the new and exciting year in PI Magazine. Subscribe today at PIMagazine.com. 
Need to hire a private investigator? Ask for their professional association affiliations. When an investigator asks Francie Kaler about associations, she says to first join a state trade association. Francie belongs to the California Association of Licensed Investigators, or CALI. It's the largest association of its kind in the world. CALI's main focus is networking, training, and legislative advocacy. If you need a detective in California, contact CALI at cali-pi.org or call 1-800-350-CALI. For a national association, Francie's choice is the National Council of Investigation and Security Services, or NCISS. For over 35 years, the council's primary mission has been to represent its members before the United States Congress and governmental agencies. Find the council at NCISS.org or call 1-800-445-8408. NCISS and Cali are great places to look for a qualified private investigator. Tell them you heard it from Francie on PI's Declassified. Ask the experts. Call toll-free right now, 1-866-472-5787. Hello? And ask our all-star team to answer your questions. That's 1-866-472-5787. Thank you for calling. VoiceAmerica.com. You're listening to P.I.'s Declassified with Francie Kaler. You can call into the program. We'll take questions and comments at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. You can also email your question to Francie. Send it to francie at pisdeclassified.com. Now, here's Francie Kaler. I'm here with Lindsay Smith, a, a uh, private investigator from from Texas, and we've been talking about the Trace Labs Global Capture the Flag event where they take cold missing persons cases and do, really do a competition with including private investigators from all over the world uh, on a four-hour stint, all done uh, together with teams online. So it's a pretty fascinating process. So I'm, I'm just thinking, Lindsay, um, what what would you say you learned from this experience? A lot of my takeaways were not not depending on my databases so much. Um, I learned new ways to find information out about people, um, like I mentioned before, using the Internet, which is actually a very scary place. How much information about a person really is out there Um that was one of my takeaways. Um, but learning kind of the basics and not to use my my databases as a crutch um, and more to use those as a, a confirmation tool once I find the information on the Internet myself. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, and also one of the things you said in your article, Lindsay, was that uh, it's okay to say, these are the things I can't do, or these are the things I'm limited to do. Because, you know, people think private investigators have access to everything and anything. And, uh, you know, that we do things like, I don't know, putting cameras in people's houses and, and uh, (laughs) surveilling them and doing all these kind of things that of course are illegal and we don't do not, not legitimate. So, uh, so it's that it's okay to say, 
No, I'm yeah. sorry. I cannot do that. Right. I even get attorneys that will call and say, okay, how do we ping a cell phone? I'm like, yeah, that's done on TV. It's not done in real life. Like, yeah. if you want to be able to ping a cell phone, somebody has to have died or there has to be a child missing. That's about it. <laughs> like, And we can't do it ourselves. It's going to have to be done from the police. So. Right. It's going to have to be done for law enforcement. Yeah. And sometimes we're fortunate enough to be able, like you have, to be able to work with law enforcement and they can utilize their services uh, for legitimate investigations. But for yeah. us... Uh, to do some of these things, you know, it's, it's frankly, uh, blanketly illegal. <laughs> yeah. I'm not saying there aren't people out there that don't do this, but yeah, uh, we don't, you know, yeah. not most of us. And I don't, it's always hard to say no to a client or say, I can't do that because I am very much a solver. I want to be able to help anyone get exactly what they are looking for. So it's hard to say, no, I can't do that. But there is a way to to get people answers, even if we're not getting them, um, you know, exactly what they're wanting. Once one thought just came to mind about a case, um, a woman's son had supposedly committed suicide and she wanted, she wanted the police to tell her exactly how it happened. And they weren't doing that. Um, she said, you know, my son would never commit suicide. I know this. And plus, there's a blood trail from where he committed suicide through almost to his bathroom. And she said, well, how would that get there if he had, you know, instantly committed suicide? Um, the police just wouldn't reply to her. And my job in that case wasn't to tell her how her son had done it, but it was to advocate for her to the police. And in that case, when they weren't responding and I get involved and start making phone calls, then they call her and say, you know what, <laughs> ultimately our medical examiner's office messed up and left that blood trail. Um, that was something they didn't want to tell her at first, but mm. knowing that I was involved just as an advocate, we got her some of the answers that she wanted. Um, ultimately, she did not get what she called me to get, right. but um, we got some progress for her. So, Yeah, for sure. I mean, you know, the truth is always better than being able to speculate because we always speculate yes. the worst. Yes. And that's just the way we humans are built. We just always speculate the worst unless we know the truth. Right. So that's really good. But, you know, I can't imagine yeah. um, how valuable it was to be able to tap into your other four team members' uh, abilities and thinking, their critical thinking, their inductive reasoning, and and uh, being able to incorporate that into the kinds of investigations you'll be doing in the future. I mean, that what a fabulous experience. Right. Yes, and I have I've gained, you know, colleagues for life through this game. Um, they are much smarter than me in areas of ethical hacking, um, you know, in computer networks and all of that, that is not my area of expertise. And like I told Eli, when we first met, or I say met, we have, we've actually yet to meet in person, um, which is interesting on its own. But um, I told him, I'm not good with the technology side of, of how computers work or, you know, infrastructure inside of the internet. Like I have no idea how all of that works. 
they were the experts in that area. I could get surface level information um, through, you know, my routes and they could dig further into IP addresses and things like that, that are, that are not my area of expertise. So. Right. For sure. And, you know, and we can't be, we can't have expertise in everything for sure. So I'm, I'm really curious, Lindsay, you provided a document that said, says the power of OSINT for good in four hours. So OSINT, we, we talk about it, it's, you know, information that you can access freely and uh, legally. So, right. uh, so it's, you said here it's 6,635 submission, submissions processed. Now, was that from all of the teams that were operating? That is from all of the teams, yes. Okay. All right. So, and then it says that the, that 1,949 were rejected. So why were things rejected? Do you know? Things would have been rejected because they weren't the actual person that we were looking for. Um, they would have been rejected if that information was already known to law enforcement. Um they wanted new bits of info. And if they already knew, we, we certainly had some things that were rejected on our team uh, mm-hmm. because that information was already known um, or because it came from a source that we didn't know if we could trust or not. Um, sure. Yeah. So. So that left uh, over 4,486. 4,686 submissions accepted. So what kind of information were you given initially? We were given the name, um, basic information about your subject name, date of birth, um, you know, what he or she looked like and where they went missing from. That was essentially all you were given. Uh, In one of the cases, I do believe we were given his car license plate and a picture of where the car was found. Um, but just very basic information. We weren't even told what law enforcement already knew or didn't know. Okay. Yeah. All right. So yeah. you were given, um, the date last they were last seen. Were you given yes. that? Okay. Um, okay. Oh, interesting that you had dates of birth though. We, we did for the most part, I want to say. We knew exactly how old they were, where they were from. Um, yep, we were given dates of birth. And, and you were given four cases? Is that what you said originally? Is that what you told me? Four or six. Um, I know that we really only worked on four. Once you've exhausted or in your brain, you feel like you've exhausted all you can do on one person, you go to that next case. And then when you're working on that next case, you think, oh, crap, I didn't do this for that first case. And you jump back over to that first case. It is so fast paced. And it's hard to put into words exactly how it works. When Eli explained it to me, it's still you know, didn't register until you're actually in the, and I, like I said, I call it a game. Um, it's not a game, but um, you really don't get it until you're in there. And four hours flies by like it was 30 minutes and you're just completely depleted. <laughs> so. I'll bet. 
Oh, bad. It's too bad that you don't um, know where the information goes or, or will you ever learn if something happens? Do you know? Um, I would like to, I would hope that maybe Trace Labs would give us some information when we go into the next Capture the Flag event. Um, hey, here's what happened in the last event. And, you know, one person was recovered or found. Um, I would hope that they do that. I just haven't been involved with enough of them to know if they do or not. Um, now that I know how it works, it will be a very different experience the second time around. So. So this just happened March 26th this year. Yes. When you event. And, and it looks like they do one every year. Trace Labs does one every year. I because believe so. I think there may be twice, two times a year. If I'm, okay. um, I need to go to the Trace Labs website and figure that out. But I know that yeah. they've, you know, each time they've done it, they've had greater and greater success in getting people involved and getting more information. So okay. I would think, you know, why not do one every week? I'm sure it takes a lot to put together, um, but it, it's just such a good cause. Um, it's something that I really enjoyed being a part of. So on their website, they have uh, who we are is a search party and they, uh, have core values, their code of conduct, their search party rules, uh, their sponsors, partners. Uh, you can make a donation if you want to, but it's it's really a I've uh, an interesting setup. Uh, of course, they use yeah. Hunchley, which I'm familiar with. Hunchley is uh, how you uh, memorialize information so it can be used in court if, once you're gathering it from social media. Do you use Hunchley? Mm -hmm. I do not. Yeah, Hunchley is a great program. I'll give them a little a little spin tip here. Um, <laughs> Hunchley is uh, if you're gathering social media, you can't just copy it uh, and use it in court. You have to have it validated, metadata and all that kind of stuff validated. So Hunchley is a great way to download it and have it preserved for a legal process. Wonderful. I'm. I wrote that down. I'm yeah. <laughs> going to use yeah. it. Yes. <laughs> yeah, they have, uh, I guess that's one of their sponsors because they have it li them listed uh, right on their website. So, um, all right. So there looks like there was um, 150 teams that operated, that participated in this March 26th event. And they, these teams were all over the world. They were, yes. Now, I'm curious, did you guys tap into people that you know from other associations uh, or other contacts that you have worldwide? Within the game, no. Um, and I'm trying to remember if there was even kind of a chat option in there. We were all on a four-way call on a secure line. Um, and there was really no other outreach to anyone else or any of the other teams. We can see how many submissions other teams did, and we could see that throughout the game. And we would say, oh, we're this many points behind. Um, but there was no way to talk to anyone else on another team that I know of. 
um, I'm like, you're just thrown into four hours of chaos. <laughs> like You yeah, don't like have that. time to, to form a sentence, even on the phone. There would be times on the line where it was just complete silence as we're all typing in our computers and um, trying to find what we could. And so you're completely computer dependent following leads. Um, yes. Cyber, cyber leads, essentially. That's all you're doing. Right. Yep. Huh. Okay. And I enjoy that. Um, I really enjoy, you know, digging into people's backgrounds on the computer. Um, I always do that before I go out on my surveillance missions or even get started in a case. I like to know who both my subject is and who the client is. Um, I don't always search my clients, but I like to have the most information at my disposal that I can find online before I go start a case in the real world. What was your team name? It looks like all the teams had names. What was your team name? Um, I am actually not going to disclose that. Just okay. All for, right. To not put a target on our backs. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, it's, it's yeah. some of the names are really creative. <laughs> they are. They are all very techie, and I was not in charge of the name. Uh, that was Eli's domain. He can be very witty. Um, and it was, it was quite creative, <laughs> so, yeah. okay. but we even said, I think in the article that, uh, we're putting a target on our back for the next game that we're going to be the people to beat. Um, <laughs> <laughs> we didn't want that. <laughs> so were you, were you successful? We were, um, we were not the winners, but, um, we were really happy with what we did, um, okay. for having never, I had never, like I mentioned, never met them in person. Having a team of people who have only talked on the phone a few times, um, we did really well. Um, we had our areas of expertise, and it was a really well thought out team by Eli. That's that's great. That is fascinating. So, uh, <laughs> you and I talked a little bit offline about the. Um, association with other trade associations and, and the importance of that. And I was just going to say to you <clears throat> when we were offline that one of the, you, you had mentioned you belong to Texas Association of Licensed Investigators. Of course, I belong to sure. California Association of Licensed Investigators. <clears throat> Excuse me. And then there is a National Council for Investigative and Security Services, which you mentioned that you were looking into. Well, yeah. and and NCISS is the organization that protects private investigators in Washington, D.C. Any bill that comes up that involves private investigators or access to information, usually is what it is, access to information that may affect the kind of work we do, which is usually for a legal process. Uh, that's, right. that's the kind of thing NCISS does. But I, like, I always like to recommend that a private investigator belongs to their state association for sure, like you and I belong to Tally and Cali. Sure. NCISS as a uh, national lobbying organization. And, and then, if, then a, at least one international association. There's a couple of them. Uh, World Association of, in, of Detectives is one. Council of International Investigators is another. Either one of them are excellent, but it gives you access to people around the world 
And I don't know whether you know this, um, Lindsay, but do you know that, uh, do you know something called the big three? I do not. Okay, that is Cali, the California Association, Tally, the Texas Association, and uh-huh. Fally, the Florida Association. Yes. If you belong to one of those, which you do, you can belong to the other two at a, a, quite a discount. So, I did not know that. Yeah. So the big three is an important thing because that gives you access literally across the country. I mean, it's not all of the country, of course, but it's a big portion with Florida, Texas, and California. I need to get back involved in Tally. I was definitely in it for my first two years as a PI and then opening my business between school and the kids and everything else. I did let that slip. But again, that's been on my mind to get back into because the events that we go to, you know, the gatherings, they really are helpful for networking um, and you learn so much. Um, the, we had an event here um, at one of our nearby resorts uh, when I was a new PI and I met one of my mentors, Martin Renteria, um, at that conference. And to this day, now we've worked, you know, hundreds of cases together, um, me, him and his wife. Um, all from meeting at one dinner one night. Um, you know, your personality just clicks with that person and you gain a friend for life. Um, it sounds cliche, but it's, it's true. So It's true. And that, I mean, the networking is really important. The training that you get at conferences is really important. But I also think um, the two other very key components of belonging to tra- other trade associations is you know, the listserv that is usually the email listserv that's usually part of the association where you can ask questions, where you can um, you even can get business. But the probably I think is the most important is where do you learn about laws that affect your business if it isn't through your association? Because right. there's no there's no process for that. Uh, nope. You could be violating the law without even knowing it because you didn't know. Right. And the laws are constantly changing the laws um, are in constantly. this industry. You're yeah. very sure. They sure are. And, and also the, uh, and I mentioned the association with the international associations, you know, I, I only do business in California. You probably only do business at this point in Texas. Um, I do. But I, ended up joining two international associations because just really because I guess because they were there I did a long time ago but as it turns out those contacts are really important because investigation has become a global process people are so transient and even aside from COVID and the pandemic but people are really transient and they need help often from people in other countries or or somebody asks for a contact in another country and you happen to have one because you belong to that association. That is certainly something that I'm going to look into as well. Um, I do a lot of process serving and I always need contacts in other countries for, you know, how do I get this person served? What are your laws in that country for service of process? Um, That comes up quite a bit. So it certainly sounds like that is something that 
I've got a lot to add to my um, to join list. <laughs> so, and, I, and I'm sure every country's different. I mean, that you know, I've never looked into right. service a process in other countries, but I, it has to be different in every country. It is, yes, yeah. And learning all of that is is uh, quite complicated. So having those contacts in different places that can help out, and me not having to learn all the laws myself would be hugely helpful. <laughs> Well, that's impossible. <laughs> it's just impossible. Yes. yes. <laughs> well, it's just, it's really fun to talk to you, Lindsay, uh, because you are so enthusiastic. And I love that, that Eli recruited you into this, this, what is really called a game, but it's, it looks like it's just a really fascinating, valuable training that, uh, Joining with three other investigators, no matter what you're doing, if you're working on a case, um, sounds just like something that every everybody ought to do. Right. If you have um, a passion for investigations, like I said, anybody can join in, uh, create a team, um, and get involved. Uh, and feel like you're really making a difference. I think everybody wants to feel like they're helping somehow innately people want to help for the most part so well you bring up a good point so it's not limited to private investigators anybody can join this uh this right. game so yes does it cost what do you does it cost to join it did cost ten dollars and i i always joked about that like i'm instead of getting paid like normal life we are paying to work <laughs> this case <laughs> right, right so it's only ten dollars um but that was you know that helps support um trace labs and i just thought um you know we're, we're really able to make a difference but we're paying for it so <laughs> yeah for sure so um lindsay if people want to get a, in contact with you about uh, the cases you work on or our information about what you were involved here, how would they contact you? So um, we do have a website. It is prime www.primeils.com as in prime investigations and legal services. Um, and then my email address is on that website as well. It is smith at primeils.com. So so do you have any uh, advice or tips for uh, a brand new person getting into the investigation field that, that you've learned from uh, your experience? Um, my, my take on that is always that you've got to learn from your mistakes when you're first starting out. You know, do your CE credits, take the classes that are required within your state, um, you know, here in Texas, we require 18 hours of CE credits. And with my new hires, I require them to do those before we even, before I'll even sponsor their license. Um, I want them to, to put in the work to look at those classes, learn what they can, and then apply it in the real world and know that you're going to make mistakes. You're going to sit in the car with your headlights on for an hour while you're watching your subject without realizing it. But you've got to do that to learn not to do it the next time. Um, it's a very, <laughs> I was just thinking about this did. this morning, a very self-taught industry, private investigations is. So it's learning from mistakes. All right. Well, that's really good advice. And 
Lindsay, thank you so much for being on the show. You've been a delight to talk talk to. Uh, appreciate uh, you, you taking the time. And for the rest of you Thanks. listeners, uh, thank you for listening. It's PIC Classified. I'm Francie Kaler. You've been listening to PIs Declassified with your host, Francie Kaler. Tune in every Thursday at noon Eastern Time. That's 9 a.m. for you West Coast listeners. PIs Declassified explores stories of deceit, mystery, and detectives unraveling the truth. Every Thursday at noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific Time, here on the Voice America Variety Channel.